our foster care system is shattered. And this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, change in the system and changing the lives of children in foster care. Hi, my name is Rob Shear. I'm the founder of a national charity called Comfort Cases. I'm an advocate for children in foster care. I'm a public speaker. I'm an author of a forever family, but most important, I'm a dad to five of the most amazing kids. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Well, everybody, I am so excited about today's Fostering Change Podcast. You know, there are several things that happen in our lives that we really get to meet some incredible people. And I am really, really lucky to, that I've got to meet our next guest. You know, when I first decided that it was time to tell my story, um, little would I ever imagine that how my journey would go. But, you know, because of this journey, Journey, I was able to meet our next guest. And our next guest, um, Charlie Jeter, um, she is the author, the co-author of The Stuff. I'm telling you, we're going to talk about this book. If you, I, somebody just asked me the other day, give me a good summer read. Um, this was the book that I had recommended. I think every single one of you, when we finish this podcast, you need to go on and order this book. She is also the president of Turn to Foundation. You know, um, I've been following her on social media for a while, and I am so impressed with all the things that she does. Charlie, welcome to Fostering Change. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Well, I am absolutely honored that you agreed to come on to um, Fostering Change. You know, every single week, we really try to highlight people that are making a difference and making a difference um, not only when it comes to foster care and adopt, but making a difference in life when it comes to our youth. And that is something that I truly want to touch base with in the beginning, because that's something that you are actually doing with your foundation. Can you um, let us know a little bit about, you know, exactly what Turn To Foundation is? Sure. I'll give a quick summary. Um, in 1996, Derek, uh, my brother is Derek Jeter. Um, he, he decided it was his rookie year of playing for the New York Yankees. And he said that he wanted to start his own foundation. Um, my father was a drug and alcohol abuse counselor at the time, had his own, had just started his own private practice. And he let Derek know that if he was very serious about this, then he would quit what he was doing and help him full-time get a nonprofit up and running. And they had decided because of my father's background, um, that they would have a foundation that supported young people in their journey to, to succeeding in life. Um, leadership development skills, um, helping them stay, live healthy lifestyles, staying away from drugs and alcohol, um, because that was that's an issue that faces all children. Doesn't matter what, what your background is, how you grew up, what type of home life you have, it's something that affects all children. And he thought that that was a way to really have a huge impact um, in the community. And so they, it started in 96. It was a small family foundation that we were running out of our basement. I think in our first fundraiser, we raised roughly $20,000. And my dad thought we were just like the biggest thing ever. Um, and now we're actually in our 25th year and have given out over $30 million dollars. Um, in, in funds to programs that support our mission. Um, so it's been a really 
fun ride, especially working with our high school students that we have in a full-time program. We fully operate that program. Um, their job is to be ambassadors for Derek in the community um, because he, he's only one person. So they're out there in the community being role models for peers, um, mentoring younger students, living a healthy lifestyle, achieving academically. Um, and we have a hundred percent graduation rate going off to college. So we're really, we're really proud, proud of, um, what we've done over the years and how we've how we've been able to sustain all of our programs and and develop them um, and keep them around and, and help out a lot of young people. That is amazing. A hundred percent graduation rate. Yes. You know, I, I will tell you, I um, I get to meet a lot of people with a lot of organizations, um, but I've never spoke to an organization that has a hundred percent graduation rate. So that is absolutely amazing. So how would a um, how would one of the, the kids apply to be a part of this? We're actually right in the middle of um, the application process right now. Um, going to our website, turntofoundation.org, um, and you just click on the Jeter's Leaders. That's the name of the program, the Jeter's Leaders um, tab at the top, and it has all the information on how to apply. And you apply when you're um, in an eighth grader, because it's a four-year high school program. That is crazy. So I have to ask, you know, 25 years, you know, for the organization to be around, which by the way, that is, that's absolutely incredible. The, the, the number of kids that you helped, have you had an opportunity to meet any of the kids that you helped from the very beginning? Yes, because we actually have one that's a full-time employee right now and, and is over all of our programming. Um, so we, we've actually hired a lot of our alumni. Um, some have started their own nonprofits when they went off to college or after college. Um, we keep in contact with our alumni um, and have a really strong alumni um, program. Uh, they, they our kids that are off at college campuses give the tours for our current leaders when they come and do their college um, tours, which is really awesome. Um, we have a lot of them that come back and host career days at their companies for our current leaders. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. And actually one of our biggest examples of that is we had one of the, uh, one of our students that was from the first graduating class, like she entered the program in 97. Um, she graduated, went on to college, ended up being an intern for our organization, then was hired um, to work with our leadership program and ended up being a director of our leadership program. So um, it's fun to watch the kids grow and live out their dreams and then come back yeah. and help out. You know, and that's what it's all about. It's about giving back. You know, I say this quite often, you know, if you if if you really teach our future, which is our kids, um, mm -hmm. some of the problems that we have and give them the support, um, kids are resilient. And, you know, I, I see so many times that, you know, you know, we look at our, our foster care system where only 54% of kids in foster care actually even graduate from high school. You know, those numbers are staggering. And to hear that you have 100% guarantee rate, is this only based in New York? No, so we're, the foundation is run in New York, West Michigan, where me and Derek grew up, and then also in Tampa, Florida, where he lived. Um, but now uh, our Jeter's Leaders program is in New York and in Michigan. 
in New York mm -hmm. and in Mission. That is just absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. And you know, it, it actually falls into, I, I'm assuming, why you decided to write the stuff. Right. Um, you know, meeting these kids who, you know, basically just needed someone to believe in them. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like that's a lot of the, the situation yeah. is somebody to believe in them. Um, because I, what I just heard you say, I, I remember reading so much of this in the stuff. Um, is that where you got that motivation to write this book? Somewhat. Um, and, and really, Rob, not, just to go back to your last point about the graduation rate and, and just having somebody who believes and supports our, our young people, you probably know this as well from your story and growing up. I am like a huge fan of your book and your story, and it's so inspiring. And I'm actually listening to the audiobook now because really? I just got turned on to audiobooks. And like, so it's just, it's it, your story amazes me. But um, you probably saw in your life that so many young people that are judged based on their situation. So if it's a young person in the foster care system, it's a lot of coddling that goes on, right? You know, people that have a really kind heart, um, but they, they lower the bar. They say, oh, no, 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 you don't have to reach up here. You, we're going to, you know, we're going to lower it a little bit for you because we feel sorry for you. Or we, we feel, you know, we feel like we don't want to put that much pressure and there's so much going on in your life. So people end up telling young people what their limits are. Yeah. Right. And, and I always say this when I'm, when I'm out speaking to people, it's like, you know, the students that we meet, it doesn't matter like where they came from. It doesn't make their brain function differently. Like they're just as smart as other kids. They're probably a lit, have a little, a lot more grit than a lot of the kids that, that come from the quote unquote, perfect, uh, scenario. Um, so I think because we have always come from the space of kids can accomplish their dreams. They can meet the set that we can set the bar really high for them um, and, and allow them to succeed just like any other student out there. Kids, when they have that, you know, support and believe that someone actually thinks they can, they can do great. They always meet that bar. They always meet it. If not, they go past it. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much where, um, what we tried to prove in this stuff, right, is to show that it didn't matter what your story was, what your situation was, that we have it within us to overcome any obstacle that's thrown in our way. And, and you know, I agree 100% with you on that. You know, the, the bar is set so low um, for kids who are in the system, especially, um, you know, I, I'm always reading and talking about the statistics of our kids who are in the system, you know, where you look at 70% out of the 30,000 that age out will become homeless. You know, mm -hmm. we look at our prison population and I do agree with you is that I think that we have set the bar so low and that we expect that, that we don't give them the hope that they need, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, it makes me think about my son, Alex, as you know, you and I follow each other on social media. So you see mm -hmm. that I have a new son that arrived, mm -hmm. you know, he arrived at the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And most people are like, I cannot believe you, you are adopting a 
fifth child and to have him come at 18. But very similar that the bar was set so low because, you know, he was a kid from the system. And for my mm -hmm. husband and I, it was like, you know, we tell all of our kids they have one job right now, and that is to get an education. Yeah. And I, I look at Alex where he's now graduated from high school with a 3.6. He's awesome. enrolled in his second semester of college and he's taking courses like Chinese, and, mm -hmm. you know, and he's really, you know, fulfilling his dream yeah. um, because his dad and I believe in him and his dad mm -hmm. and I are like, you know, we're constantly and I, I, I totally feel that, you know, with one of the things in your book, the choose, choose, um, choose to hope, mm -hmm. you know, I posted this on social media yesterday about having a dream and I wanted to dream of being a dad, but, mm -hmm. but having that hope that I could be like that neighbor kid, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, Give me an, an example of some of the students when it's choose to hope. So, well, the concept of choose to hope is, you know, so many of us, we start out and this is this is even me in my life, right? Um, we start out in a situation where we don't even believe that we can accomplish things. No one, you know, and sometimes it takes someone telling us or pointing it out to us, like you could get through this issue or you could get overcome this obstacle or you could get that job, apply and, and get that job or get that raise or whatever it is your challenge is in front of you. And choosing to hope is just about saying to yourself, I actually believe I can do this. You haven't even started doing the work yet. The biggest thing is just overcoming that fear that you can't do something, that you can't accomplish something. So I think that with all of, I don't really have one story of, of I think all of our students have chosen to hope, right? They've all chosen at this point to hope. Um, they believe they can do it. And it doesn't mean that at times they don't lose that hope, right? And we have to put them back on track and, and get them back to a, a good starting place to say, okay, all right, we fell off, but now it's time to remember that you can do this and you can overcome anything that's put in your way. You know, I still have that issue, um, that believing in the hope part that I can do it. I mean, you know, when I left my banking career of 27 years, um, I was so scared that I could not become a public speaker, or that I mm -hmm. wouldn't become an author, or I wouldn't, you know, build the organization that we have built. And so even for me at 54, I have to remind myself of mm -hmm. that hope, yep. you know? And, yep. and I hope that those people who are listening to this podcast and watching it understand that, you know, all of us fall off that time, but we have to remind ourselves and bring ourselves back in that, there, right. you know? Yep. You know, when it when it comes to pushing your limits, that is something mm -hmm. that I probably um, I, I try to do more than I think most people do is when that are in my inner circle or my team, as you call them, because you do mm -hmm. you talk about building your team. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I have built my team and and but I'm always pushing my limits. You know, mm -hmm. do you think that we as a society do not do enough? Um, foundation work to make sure the kids are pushing their limits? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's, if it's enough foundation work that the kids aren't pushing their limits. I think that we need to do a better job as adults of not limiting them. Does that make sense? Yes. So we talked about raising the bar and, and I think that we as adults need to stop putting a cap on what we think 
they should be able to succeed. Cause I think kids push their limits. They always push their limits. They always want, kids want to do well. They want to make us proud. There, I, there's not a kid that you're going to find that says, I don't want to make someone proud. And I, that, I don't want that feeling. Like I don't want someone in my life to be proud of me. Um, you're right about that. You're, and right. you know, I think it is us who it's all of us that need to stop putting limits on what they can, they can do. And I think with that is going to come a lot more young people that are pushing what they can actually succeed. Cause they don't have these, these barriers set for them. Right. They have, no, they have heard right. all of this negative, you know, uh, or, or heard enough from others. of, Oh, this is my life. This is where I come from. So this is what I'm going to be able to do. Yeah, no, you're totally right about that. You know, there's so many times I try to tell people all the time that, you know, you can't blame the system. You have to help me change the system. Yeah. And and I think that that's so, so important. Well, listen, we are going to have to take a quick break. But everybody, okay. I am so, so excited to be able to talk to my friend today, Charlie Jeter. Um, please visit visit, visit their foundation. They do amazing work, but also you can actually go to the stuffmovement.com. Um, Charlie, you can actually order the book from there as well, yeah, besides Amazon, Barnes and Noble and mm -hmm. all of the other places as well. This right. is a must read. Um, I'm telling you all that, listen, you know, I say this quite often, whether you're listening to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever your podcast platform is, or you have decided to tune in and watch us this season on YouTube, we truly ask that you do the following things. Number one, leave a comment, okay? We'd love to hear your comments. Share, you know, the fact is, is that sharing this podcast is really going to help other people because you never know who is actually listening and who today's show could actually give them that hope, give them that push. So um, we'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that is inspiring our communities to bring dignity and hope to youth in foster care. You know, for just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Cases mission to eliminate trash bags from the foster care system. For every $10 donated, a Comfort XL duffel bag will be given to a child entering foster care. Please help us be part of the change. Go to comfortcases.org and see how you can help a child entering our foster care system. Well, we're back with my friend, Charlie Jeter, and I am so excited that she is our special guest today. You know, we've been talking a lot about youth, you know, because I think that with their, with her foundation, with her and her brother, that they truly believe that if we invest in our youth, we invest in our future. You know, um, I say this all the time when I am traveling the country and I get to meet so many kids who are either aging out of foster care or in foster care, or even kids who are just trying to struggle and go through life's course as it is. When I look in their eyes, 
I actually smile because I know my future is bright and my future is bright because they are my future. You know, Charlie, we were talking about your book, The Stuff, and, and why we're during the break, I have to tell you all something. We were talking about the fact that, you know, both of us have done an audio book and how, you know, it's not that easy to do. And people, you know, talk about that all the time. But I think for kids in general, um, and especially today, you know, I think today is a lot different um, than, you know, back when I was a little boy, even though I went through the system, things are just so different today. And and I want to talk about a couple of things that, that as we were taking the break, it popped in my head. You know, I'm a dad of five kids and four of my children are of color. And the one thing, Charlie, that really gets me, and I'm going to say this, and some I know, guys, I tell you all the time, email fosteringchange.org. If you want to rip me up, it's perfectly fine. But when people walk up to me, and they walk up to my husband, and they say, you have such a beautiful family, I don't see any color. Mm -hmm. I get so angry, because it's like, then you do not see four of my five children because they are children of color. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because it's really making me think about a couple of the things that are in your book. Um, because as a, as, you know, a father that three of my boys who are black, I have a conversation with them that I do not have with my oldest son, Alex. You know, when, when a police officer pulls you over, you know, I have to talk to them about their bar has to be higher, by the way, their bar has to be higher. And I think that the, to, the refusal to give into fear mm -hmm. is something that, that resonates with me in your book, because I see that today in our brothers and sisters of color, um, not giving into the fear. What do you think about that and where our society sits with that today? Well, I mean, that's, that could be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Discussion. Oh, good. I'm glad you said you're going to come back. <laughs> yeah, they could send us both hate mail. Um, I, I mean, I come from an interracial family. My father is black, my mother's white. So me and Derek were raised um, in a small town and it, we're from Kalamazoo, Michigan. And so, you know, as an adult now looking back on, you know, our upbringing, um, you know, we realized that our parents shielded us from a lot. Um, and, you know, I think that that was helpful. Um, but I also see now raising a black son um, in these times um, where he's so exposed to everything that's going on. Um, I can't shield him from all of it. It's just out there. It's running rampant. Um, you know, I have to deal more with uh, his fear, right? Every single, you know, up around everything. And I feel like he's losing his childhood because he's dealing with these adult problems that I wish I could shield him from. Um, but refusing to give in to fear, I mean, it's, it's a huge, it's a really hard thing because we're all afraid, right? We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of, you know, what's going to be the next, you know, what, when we open the next door, what's going to be behind it? Um, we're afraid if we're doing the right thing, if we're, um, go after something that maybe, you know, we think is, we're not going to be able to succeed at. I, I think that every single day we deal with our fears and, um, and I think that that is, it's important 
to say, to get to a point where we say, look, we know that we can do it. And, and that was the reason for me writing the stuff and being a part of this stuff is I, I felt like if I would have known when I was younger that I could do it, like someone tells me, look, I'm taking that out of the equation. So take the fear out of it because you can do it. And it's going to be scary at times, but I'm telling you for a fact, you can do it. You have what it takes. So let's remove that from the equation and now launch and go and do what you need to do to succeed or what you're trying to overcome. Um, and so I felt like that the project overall was trying to remove a lot of the fear that stops us from starting yeah, to overcome awesome. obstacles. Yeah, no, I totally get that. You know, I, I go through that fear moment quite often. So I get that, you know, who do you hope that, you know, that this book really touches? You know, and again, it can touch all of us. And mm -hmm. I think every single person, and by the way, I'm not the only one who I know who has read your book. Um, I have many of my my team, as I as you love to call that, that I call them my mm -hmm. team, um, have read it. And we've all taken something different out of it, which mm -hmm. I thought was kind of crazy. So I, I you know, um, we do these like little book clubs um, within my my team, and we read mm -hmm. books of people that we know and and people that we know. and And I had suggested this book a, a while back, and I was kind of surprised when we all had a meeting how everybody took something different from the book. So, so who do you you know as you were writing this book with your co author, who were you writing this book thinking that the audience was going to be? So that's a good question. Um, when we started writing the book, I think that, of course, just like when writing, yeah, I'm sure when you were writing your book, it was like, we're, we're going to, we want everybody, you know, and, and the, the publishers were like, okay, well, let's just sit down and have that talk. Like, who are we going to focus on? So I think that when I, when I was doing the book, I was really focusing on young people um, because I believed that if, if all of us knew at a really young age that A, we already had within us, nobody could take it away from us. We already had within us all of the tools we needed to succeed or to overcome obstacles. My life probably would have looked completely different. A lot of the things and, and obstacles I faced as an adult or dreams that I didn't go after maybe as an adult, that might've been completely different had I removed a lot of the fear that comes with, you know, trying to overcome things. And I feel like my adulthood may have looked a lot different and I may have gone after different things sooner in life. Wow. Um, so I learned a lot through the process of doing the book. I, I came into this book. Um, my co-author was, had a well-known story. Um, you know, him and his two friends went through medical school together and succeeded, were born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. Um, and so they decided they were going to do this together, become doctors together, three black males from Newark, which you can imagine the stereotypes around that. Um, and they succeeded and they've been motivational speakers for many, many years. So this is something he did for a living. Like he was out there telling people you can succeed and look at what I've done and, and my story of resilience and overcoming. So he was the person who had to tell me that I had the stuff within me. We hadn't coined it the stuff yet, but it, I come from a great family, very supportive parents, very supportive brother, very successful family. Um, but 
I didn't believe that some of the strengths that I really had were strengths. I I never saw it that way. And I feel like a lot of us don't see what's within us. We can tell everybody else that they're amazing and we can see all of the wonderful qualities in everyone else, but it's very difficult to see them in ourselves. And so, you know, that, that was really the reason why we wanted to get the message out about this. And you're right about that. It's so easy for us to um, to lift other people, you know, through the kindness of even words. But it's very hard for us to look within ourselves mm-hmm. and and to actually, you know, feel that. And and you know, I love what you said about the fact that younger kids. You know, um, one of the things I'm going to ask all of our listeners to do, and I have never done this before, and I think that this is a win-win. I like for you to do two things for me. Number one, I want you to go on. I want you to buy the book. But number two, I want you to buy the book and send it to Comfort Cases because this book needs to get into the hands of our older youth, to our youth that are between that age of 15 to 19. They need to read this book. I didn't think about it. You're the ones who actually, you actually opened my eyes on that, Charlie, that that this is definitely a book that kids can read that are that are going through these turbulent time through foster care. I mean, mm-hmm. you understand kids in foster care, they're actually there because of choices other people made. And then the bar is set so low for them. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why we see such a low, you know, graduation rate, we see a high incarceration rate, we see, you know, a, a large homeless population rate. And I think it's because they don't feel they have the stuff. Right. And I think they do. And and I don't think I know they have the stuff. We all have it. You know, we all have it. And so for our listeners, I'm telling you something. I, I you reach out to me all the time and you say, what can I do? I'm telling you what you can do. You go on, purchase a copy of the book, read that book. By the way, once you read it, if you want, send it to us. You know what I say all the time? There's no such thing as a used book. It's only a book that's been loved. It's only a book that's been loved. Do you think there'll be a second book? Oh, goodness. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, there has been discussion around, you know, maybe trying to, to interpret this for a younger audience. Um, but I think, you know, right now, what I'd love to do is, is whether it's a show or something that really taps into people's stories um, and hearing about their, their ability to overcome obstacles. Um, so I'm still deciding on that. There's a lot of possibilities. You know, I love the idea that you talk about the show such aspect of it, because, you know, in in the climate that we have been in in the last, you know, four years, and we'll just keep it at that, mm-hmm. that it is time for us to to have a show where we are seeing and hearing stories of, of kids and people and adults who have been resilient, who, mm-hmm. have, who have taken their stuff mm-hmm. and really made it into um, a better future for them. You know, a better future for them is, you know, as I I said to you in the very beginning, um, you know, this book really talked to me, you know, as a kid who, you know, I'm the youngest of 10 kids and I am the only one um, that took their stuff and and made a choice and did something with it and so i i i I thought a lot about my brothers and sisters who have fallen to the wayside about you know if they would have had this book 
if they would have been able to read that they could believe in themselves. You know, a lot of times, and 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 as we're wrapping up this podcast, Charlie, I want I want to know what do we do about the kids who who they don't have somebody that believes in them. They don't. They feel that they're alone on an island. Um, what would you say to those kids? I I would say, you know, first of all, I. I it breaks my heart to know that a kid, you know, doesn't have that. But, but I would say, if I was speaking to the young people, I would say to go out and find that one person, whether it's someone even in the system that they can befriend or, or um, another kid who is, who's maybe going through the same thing as them, because they don't have to look for, I think a lot of times we say, you know, look for mentors and look, and we want them to do that, but not everybody's in that situation where they see it so easily. Right. And, and to just have somebody maybe by their side for a little bit of support and to lean on, I think that that is probably what I would say to them is to find their, their one ally that they can, they can lean on. Yeah. And I think that each and every one of us can find one person. I truly do believe that. I think that if you want it bad enough, you can find one person. You know, one of the things I have to tell you um, that I absolutely love, um, and you, you've been doing this most almost every week, is your son always has these, <laughs> these amazing um, quotes that you post of where his his wisdom falls mm -hmm. through um mm -hmm. you know i and when i read that i always think about you and because i'm always like gosh i could just imagine what your conversations are at yeah. the dinner table for him to have those pieces of wisdom mm -hmm. when he started giving you those wisdoms and by the way for those of you who who don't follow charlie on social media please look for her on instagram she um she definitely shares some inspiration stuff but i do love when she throws out there the little wisdom that her son gives get how old is he now he's nine nine nine, nine. so yeah. so um by the way i loved his birthday cake for the whole bit oh thank you well i love the birthday cake so but when he started giving you these little bits of wisdom when mm -hmm. did you realize that you know because and again I, I jump back and forth but i think it should be a book i think you should be writing these wisdom things down and it should be shared because you know to see it through the eyes of a nine-year-old yeah um, when did you realize that you know this kid is i mean i know he's special already but these when did he come up with these great wisdom quotes so it's really i mean it's it really kind of came from <laughs> just something silly i i felt like you know you get on social media and i always i never was on social media and i always was weirded out about like sharing all of your life and like everybody's seeing, you know, there was like, what's private, right? And in order to gain followers, you have to show every little aspect of what you're doing. And I really don't want to see anybody else's meal that they ate for dinner. So like, <laughs> I'm definitely not going, right? So I just found it very um, interesting. I, I'm a firm believer of young people come into this world and they are the most caring, when they're young kids, they're the most caring, they, um, are the most accepting, loving, loyal, um, strong-willed, willing to push their limits. You know, we they start out as these very strong individuals. And then as they get older, whether it's the society, whether it's, you know, what they're, the messages they're receiving, um, whether it's their homes, they're just kind of, it's chipped away as they get older and older. And, and they lose a lot of that. And so, 
at a young age, I would just hear Jalen. It started out as him just making a funny comment. And I thought it was funny just to say like Jalen's wisdom Wednesday, like something, it could have been so stupid. Like, um, I remember there was a time where I was moving his elf <laughs> there, you know, his elf would show up right. his, yeah. Um, which I said, I would never do as a mom, but I was moving, <laughs> it was moving around to different areas and, um, it ended up on my Peloton bike. And he said, um, I, I forget, he said something around like, well, why? No, it ended up somewhere. And I said, well, you know, maybe Chippy's trying to say that I, I need to use something. And he said, well, maybe you could put it on your Peloton bike, or maybe you could put like, basically like you're not riding your Peloton bike. So, but he was making it, he was being so serious and it wasn't, but I just thought it was hilarious. And so I would just start putting little comments like that on. And then it was, you know, as he got older, I would just say, Hey, Jalen, what's your wisdom for us? Cause it's, it's Jalen's wisdom Wednesday. So yeah. what do you want to share? And, and there are times where it breaks my heart to hear what he wants to share because it shows what he's getting, like what he's hearing about and what he's seeing on TV. And so it, it, I want people to see that like these kids are sponges and they're really taking in these messages that we're sharing and we're giving. And, um, but, you know, young people start, if we could go based off of what, you know, we learned when we were younger, we would be in such a much better situation. It seems like the simplest messages and they're, they're so smart. You know, they're so, I'm like, so we basically get dumber as we get older in my mind, because I just feel like they say it just, they simplify kids, simplify everything. It's just very matter of fact. And it's like, why can't we understand this concept as an adult? You know, um, you're right. You're right. And last week, his wisdom last week really touched me because, you know, he was talking about um, accepting people. I think last week was the one where he talked about accepting people. Um, and, and as I'm think, reading this from a nine-year-old, um, it was something about- Don't judge people for what they look on, how they look on the outside, I think. Right, right. Yeah. And I was just thinking- He's nine, you know, listen, it has been such a pleasure. You know, I am fortunately enough to call you my friend. Um, and I absolutely, again, I love the book, the stuff. Thank you. I want everybody to, to, to please, please, please. This is a book that is a must read. It is a book that can help each and every one throughout our journey. And every one of us is going through a journey. You know, I also would love for everybody to please go visit turn to foundation.org. You can actually help support, um, you know, 100% success rate for graduation, my friends. It doesn't get any better than that. You know, Charlie, I would love to have you back one day. Yes, I would love please. for us because I think there is so much more for us to talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter where you're listening to this podcast, again, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Deezer, any of your favorite platforms, please do us a favor. Make sure you comment. If you have a question for our guests, please email me at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. You know, we're going to send, have all the links um, to my friend's book and also to her foundation. Um, remember, everyone, we all have an opportunity to make change. So go out there and be part of that change. Have a great day, everybody. I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. 
You can subscribe on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. Check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. And I know some of you have a question, and I know some of you would love to be a guest. Please personally reach out to me at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. That's fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Then do me a big favor. Please help spread the word. Share this podcast. Share it with your friends and your family. Remember, I say this quite often, we're all part of the same community. And that community, it's not our zip code, but our human race. Let's all make a difference.